Welcome to the Herald Express Talker United Yellow Army podcast, brought to you weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. We'll be talking about everything that you ever wanted to know about Talker United. Uh, you can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Talker United Yellow Army podcast. We've got quiz ball for you today. We're playing Christmas quiz ball and we have a very special guest uh, joining us on a sort of, this is like three-way family favourites, Dave, isn't it? We're, 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 we're bringing in Liverton here. We've been joined by David Thomas. Welcome, Dave. Uh, well, if it's three-way fam- family favourites, this is Liverton rather than Cyprus or <laughs> some army base in Germany, that's for sure. That's it. Hello, Akrotiri. Akrotiri, that's it. Yeah. I, I have so, no idea what you're army. talking about. <laughs> you have to be of a certain age, Rich. <laughs> you're far too young to have spent Sunday lunchtimes listening to uh, Force's family favourites, but there you go. So the podcast this week, we have much to discuss as ever. We will be playing quiz ball. There'll be a chance for you to uh, answer some questions about Talker United a little bit later on. We'll be talking about the frankly baffling game against Dagenham and Redbridge on Tuesday night. We'll be looking ahead to Chesham. We'll be looking ahead to Yeovil. We'll be talking about thermos flasks and uh, all manner of other festive things. But uh, Richard, you've been talking to Gary uh, after the game uh, on Tuesday night. Well, I just dipped into the uh, the chat that he had with all the journalists after the game on Saturday. He was a bit frustrated. I think think you'll agree, David. Uh, well, uh, uh, t- Saturday or Tuesday? Tuesday, Rich? sorry. Sorry, Tuesday. <laughs> Don't worry, it's the time of year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was um, a bit frustrated, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he was. And funnily enough, I, I was surprised at the time how critical he was after the goalless draw at Kings Lynn. Um, because I, I, you know, whilst it wasn't great... Um, I, yeah, I thought it was quite a good scrap and United sort of battled their way to a point. But I now understand why he was critical of that as a result of Tuesday. Not that United were disastrous on Tuesday, they weren't. But he, he, he could see stuff last Saturday that, the, that mere mortals like me couldn't see um, and it worried him. And uh, I'm not saying everything carried over to Tuesday night, but hey-ho, Tuesday night happened and United failed to score again in that match as well. Yeah. So, uh, yes, he, he's, uh, he was quite critical um, and uh, it just shows where he set the bar. Well, we'll, have, we'll have a listen Let's to him, shall we? Yeah. OK, Gary, so how do you uh, assess that tonight then? <laughs> I think everyone else, I suppose, that watched the game. You know, we, we had the first chance in the game um, when we hit the crossbar from the corner. They went up the other end and scored their only opportunity in the game. I don't think there was any other opportunities other than the, what the lad does well. I felt like, you know, the, we lost him and that's that clever fox in the box, if you like, or that's someone who knows what he's good at and can lose you. And uh, and first half, I felt we were we were poor. I thought we, 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 we didn't really get to grips with their two two wide men. We had a good first 20 minutes. No, I should say that really. That seems a long time ago now. And then and then they they had their time. But we gave them oxygen with some of the silly mistakes and the opportunities we were missing. 
obviously the leg got sent off and at that point we thought well just a bit of quality will win the day and we got quality into the box but couldn't couldn't finish any one of our I don't know how many chances there was 20 maybe um, so that's the disappointing thing you know the, the fact that we we were camped in there half I know we had a man extra but we was using the ball quite well up until the penalty area and then we just couldn't couldn't finish you know that's forwards midfielders people having shots outside the box that were not quite getting them past defenders you know they were blocking them so we was a little bit slow in getting our shot away a little bit slow in getting across people a little bit slow in getting ahead of it you know what i mean it was all so disappointed absolutely because uh it's a game to be won, especially in the second half when we've had that, that many chances. So uh, they're all feeling a bit down and uh, disappointed themselves because obviously we've had a word because uh, some of them have got to... They had to grow up in the first half and, and really, you know, get the grips with where we are in the league. And uh, and then in the second half, we just had to get a finish. <laughs> you know, that's just, it was just... Simple as that, and it was just a ridiculous game of how many six-yard box chances that, that, that we had. So we're in tomorrow and we'll review it, but uh, you know, just, well, I've let them know how I feel and we'll see if they, they can react. I mean, the fact that the majority of the uh, 1,100 uh, supporters that were here this evening stood behind to applaud the team at the end in defeat... Um, shows that they certainly uh, respected the amount of effort that went into that second half. Yeah, well, yeah, we appreciate that. Of course we do. And uh, it's, it's, You know, we've, we've seen it, haven't we? When, it, when a team comes here and scores the first goal, then it's very hard to break them down because they're not, they're, 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 they're not in any grandeur that they're going to come out at you for the second goal and leave your space. They're gonna, uh, it's, the, the, it's the time-wasting that is always disappointing and you, know, you accept it because you know that's what teams are going to do and we've got to quicken it up when they're trying to slow it up if you like you know so um, that's the frustrating part isn't it when opposition teams come here and go one nil up and then they uh, sit back and they've got every right to um, but it's it's taking their time over everything and then all of a sudden the, the crowd haven't got value for money so it was good that they did keep going the crowd because um, you know, the opposition was trying to take a lot of time out of the game. And then the referee's got to see that, I think. You know, and he's got to see how the game went, how many subs there were. And, and he kept pointing at his watch and, uh, and then only did two minutes in the first half and uh, five minutes in the second. A little bit of a break now from the uh, league point of view until Boxing Day. Um, Probably won't be much cause for comfort at the moment, but it has been a great start to the season. Just important to go again on Boxing Day. Of course, yes. I mean, you know, we'll praise them when they've done well, and if I feel they've been below standard, uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll let them know why. You know, and we did, we didn't we didn't play like the top of the league team. You know, you, you, you've got to be scoring five in the second half. You got to, if you're going to win the league uh, at games like that with that amount of chances and the amount of balls that we put in there that were quality balls and the amount of shots that we had. We didn't really get a really good shot on target that the keeper had to make the save and we probably had 10 shots. Um, so, 
Yeah, we got we got the, the, the trophy coming up. Um, and so we've got a little bit of time before the next game. But, uh, you know, Yeovil will, will also be very good at what they do, the old you know, dark arts, if you want to call them. And, uh, you know, so they won't, you know, we'll, we'll have to see you know, what they do when they turn up. But um, we've got to turn it around quickly and we've got to start showing why we're top of the league again. So Gary was clearly frustrated, gents, after a Tuesday night. I mean... I have to say the the last half hour of Tuesday night's game was absolutely thrilling as a spectator because Torquay were putting together so much attacking football. There were so many good things happening, but they just couldn't finish it off. Rich, I mean, did you feel the same? I did, yeah. Uh, and I, I grew increasingly frustrated by the fact that they couldn't put, put one of the, the chances in the net. They were building well. Um, and they were hitting the post, I think I said in a piece yesterday in the, uh, on the website in the Western Morning News, they were building well, but they were hitting the post, there were blocks, there were saves, there were headers going over, there were headers going wide, and there were headers being plainly poorly executed as well. Um, and it was just so frustrating because y- you just thought it's got to come, but it didn't. And that's what Gary kind of said afterwards. He, he, he said, you know... They, yes, they they had all the pressure and they were they were pushing for that goal, but there was just something missing. Some of the headers were more balls hitting heads than heads hitting balls. He said, um, yeah. and, and, and they weren't quite on it. And and, and tellingly, he said during that post match interview, um, you know, if you if you're a team at the top of the league, you've got to score five goals in, in a half like that. Dave, you had a slightly different perspective because you um, you were able to watch some of the streaming as well, weren't you, from where you were? It, it was just, I can't remember a half of football like that, can you? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think if we all think hard enough, we've probably seen games like that before. Um, uh, I have a funny sort of weird theory about this. I, I think if Dagenham had kept 11 players on the field, we'd probably have beaten them. Um, uh, when a team goes down to 10 men like that and they leave one up front and put two banks of four across in their own half, we're talking here, they, they hardly ever got to the halfway line, let's face it. Um, there is so little space to work in um, that it's, it's very, very difficult for any team, whether you're decent or not decent, to, to, to get through that. I thought United missed Asa Hall on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, obviously one man doesn't make a team, but he's been such a talismanic figure for the goals over the last few weeks. And of course, one of his great strengths is what he does in both penalty areas. Um, and and United needed his sort of aerial commitment in the Barnet in the in the Barnet in the Dagenham penalty area, and that wasn't quite there. And we're talking, let's face it, about people like Carl Cameron, who we know is is decent and getting on the end of things. Danny Wright's record speaks for itself, etc., etc. Uh, I think it was unlikely against a packed two lines of defence like that, sitting deep, that United were going to be able to play their way through them. There simply wasn't the room to to, to get the passes in. So inevitably, you're going to have to go aerial and 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 get pretty brutal and direct. And I think back to the seasons. You know, under Paul Buckle, where we had Tim Sills up front, United used to batter the door down sooner or later, didn't they? Um, with with both of the teams, and it just they couldn't batter the door down on on Tuesday night. And I think 
if they could have got an equaliser, however they would have got it, with a piece of brilliance, which was probably unlikely on Tuesday, or a slice of luck or a refereeing decision or whatever, if they could have got the equaliser, they probably have won it. Um, yeah. But it, it, it was just, in those games, you get sucked into, how on earth are we going to get through this lot? Uh, the old backside gets tightened a bit and people start going longer and more anxious. I noticed Gary Warren a couple of times coming out of defence on the right-hand side. He was so desperate to hit a killer ball that he started trying to find Whitfield on the left from 40 or 50 yards away. And, of course, by the time it got to Whitfield, he had been closed down or it was slightly overhit. Um, and all the time, you, you keep saying, no, calm down, lads, calm down, keep passing it, keep passing it. And... It's, it's anybody who's ever played football, if, you've, if you're surrounded by a wall of people in front of you, it takes, it takes bloody Messi or somebody like that to find a way through it. I, I, remember a, I remember a game, I don't know what year it would have been, but the David Graham, uh, Alex Russell era, when we, when we played Berry, and it was nil-nil, and they'd gone, in the second half, they went down to nine men. And I remember, that's the only time I can remember it being that... that, that that one-sided in a game and then still the, the, the team attacking didn't score. And it reminded me of that game very much. It's true. I mean, there were times towards the end of that game on Tuesday when it was like an attack against defence training game, wasn't it? Dagenham and Redbridge were just happy to get the ball away and sort themselves out for Chalky's next attack. But we have so many players playing out of position. It was noticeable that up in the um, up in the stand alongside us, where the injured and suspended players sit, we had two right backs, two left backs, and our current best midfield player all sitting watching the game. I mean, a lot of players playing out of position. Dave, very good point, guy, um, uh, and, no, and none more than at fullback. Mm. Um, it was noticeable at Kings Inn last Saturday. Uh, that uh, United had uh, Jake Andrews and Sam Shering at fullback, neither of whom are fullbacks anyway. And Kingslin definitely had a go at them. Power on the right and, J and Jamal Lozer on the left. Um, it was the same thing on Tuesday night when they had 11 men on the pitch, Dagenham. Uh, Miles Weston on the right trying to have a go. Um, and um, was it Darren McQueen on the other side? Not only that... But there was another new combination in the middle of defence with Warren and Kerr, because obviously Cameron had shifted to left-back. So United have constantly had to do this all season because of odd injuries and then suspensions kicking, you know, that sort of stuff. Now, they've coped remarkably well with it so far, uh, as results will testify. But uh, I think over the last couple of games, it's just started to find themselves out a bit. And personally speaking, one of the most best bits of news I heard with this week was that uh, Dean Moxie was going to train again on Wednesday. Um, uh, you know, so all of a sudden, if you can put a proper player in his proper position, it doesn't half help. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt for Matt Buse, uh, exposed at right back. You know, he's not a right back. But what do we think about Armani Little's contribution when he came on? I mean, there were, there, there were a lot of good things to enjoy in that fairly brief performance. Absolutely. A big 25 minutes. OK, he's, he's not up to 100 and 100%, and Gary mentioned that in his, in his uh, press conference afterwards. I'm sure he will either start or get a hell of a lot of the game at Cheshire on Saturday. Um, of course, he had lots of room to work because 
Dagenham was sat so deep that, that, that almost anybody who got the ball on the halfway line was going to have plenty of room to work. But um, he needed those minutes. Great to see him back out again, especially in current circumstances. Um, and, uh, you know, he, I think the feeling at Playmore is if United can get 20, 25 games out of Amani Little, it might make a massive difference to a season. I, th- I think with Amani as well, what we see, uh, what we have seen this season is, is a player coming back from injury twice now who is desperate to impress. And so he almost feels like he's overplaying it a bit, trying a bit too hard when, it, when, when he comes back from injuries. And what we want is Amani Little just playing week on, week, week out, you know, uh, uh, playing his game rather than trying too hard once he comes on as a sub um, for, for, from a, another injury. Yes, absolutely, Rich. Uh, and also, uh, you put Amani Little next to Asa Hall in the same way that, um, that Asa Hall has been next to Adam Randall in the last few games. I thought without, without Asa Hall, Adam Randall didn't have quite as good a game on Tuesday night. And we all know what a good player he is and what a, what a great plus he's been to us on loan from Plymouth this season. So uh, um, you, you can't expect these, these quite young players, uh, Amani's 23, Adam Randall's 20, I think. Uh, um, you know, when they've got somebody like Asa Hall sat behind them or next to them, um, doing what Asa Hall does, it doesn't half help their game as well. There, there was a game earlier on in the season that um, when Asa was coming back from an injury where he came on at half-time and completely changed the game. And it felt like that's what you wanted um, on Tuesday night, Acer to come on at half time and, and 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 change it about. So, I mean, what do we know about the injuries at the moment? Obviously, we'll be without Acer for the game at Chesham on Saturday. We'll be without him for the game against Yeovil on Boxing Day, which is a big miss. Uh, but if Dean Moxie is getting back into training, Armani Little gave us a, a really good performance off the bench. What do we know about uh, about the rest of the injured players now? Well. Um, uh. Sam Shering was wearing a boot on Tuesday night. Yeah. However, um, it doesn't. It's not as bad as as, as it would would first seem, apparently. And um, the thought is he might be back in time for Yeovil. So that's good news as well. Um, even though the you know a player wearing a boot, you you know you, you look at that and think how's that possible? But apparently it's not as bad, and he's just 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 you know wearing the boot as precaution. I think. I think also the bit of news on um, Ben Winter. Uh, he's a young lad. Gary's putting it at sort of 10 days to a fortnight at the moment before he's back. Um, I think he's got a, a is it a hip or um, uh, hamstring problem? Not quite sure. One of the two. Um, uh, I think there's, there's a real chance he might be ready for, for Yeovil as well. Now, it's one thing to be ready in training and back in training. It's another to be fit, ready to go straight into these big games, isn't it? Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But their pluses. Andrew Nelson, uh, I'm not sure whether he's had his arthroscopy to remove this little slither of bone from his knee, which apparently has been causing all the problems right from the word, word go. Um, but uh, if that happens and that's straightforward, I understand the recovery from that is much, much quicker than certainly it used to be. Um, so, the, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the one player, the one big summer signing, of course, that we haven't seen yet, isn't he? Um, uh, but uh, so that would be a plus. Uh, Warren is back now. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, we are getting there. We are indeed. Uh, hip problems are supposed to be uh, for people of our age, aren't they? <laughs> we, we I think I was describing the area where the pain is rather than the actual injury. We can't leave Tuesday night's game either without um, without talking about the contribution of Kyle Cameron. I mean, he looks our most likely goal scorer from time to time, and he is he is getting to every corner. He's he's Jim McNichol like getting to these corners now. Whatever uh, he's done in training, <laughs> whatever he's been doing in training is just coming off. I mean, there was one perfect corner that Armani Little hit that just landed perfectly on Kyle's head and he hit the post with it. And it was him that hit the bar in the first half, wasn't it? We were a long, long way away from it. I think it was Kyle that hit the bar in the first half as well, wasn't it? If, if I'm being devil's advocate, he should have put both of those away. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, well, but that's perfection. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, that's, this is a centre-half you're talking about. <laughs> I think as well with, with, with Kyle Cameron, look, he's 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 been... A massive plus, hasn't he? He was a Gary Hours signing, by the way, um, and and what a good one he's turned out to be. I think Gary and Aaron Downs sort of asked him to go up a gear during the summer, uh, or, or suggested to him that he was capable of it. Um, yeah. He's playing with an, a bit more aggression this season, um, and. I would, if I was worried about the January transfer window, which in the current climate I'm not really because nobody's got any money, um, uh, I'd, I'd probably go, hmm, uh, I hope nobody comes in for Kyle Cameron. <laughs> um, and I do know that one or two club scouts and other people have been casting their eye in his direction. Uh, not that they've got much chance of getting him in the current circumstance, but in, in, in current circumstances. But no, he, he's been a, a real good player. He played more games than anybody else. He got um, Tusty and Twitching Trophy, um, uh, as Liam Davis did two years ago. Um, and and he's, he's turning into a, a seriously good, all-purpose, left-sided defender. And, and good luck to him. Yeah, we're going to have to start referring to him as the number four, aren't we? Rather than draw attention too much attention to him. <laughs> Which, yeah, a bit like little last year, yeah. <laughs> Which brings us quite neatly. Let's play the first round of quiz ball, shall we, gents? Are you ready for this? So the form, Ever. the format will be uh, anybody who's old, as old as we are, will have seen quiz ball back in the sixties and seventies. You will get the chance, each of you, to score three goals. So. In an ideal world, we get a three-all draw and a penalty shootout. Okay. The first chance you get will be easier questions. I'll give you three questions each. You have to answer all three of them correctly to score the goal. And then a little bit later on, we'll do the two questions, which are slightly harder. And at the end, we'll do the one question, the route one question, which is the hardest of all. Bear in mind, I've just scribbled these questions down in a notebook and you might not find them easy or hard at all, but we'll give it a go. I'm, and, um, I, I, feel, I feel a bit intimidated up against the master, but we'll give it a go. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and if you're listening at home, um, have a go, join in. Um, we'll try and leave a little gap between question and answer for some thinking time. So we could actually, we could toss a coin, couldn't we? If I have one in my pocket... Which I don't. Okay, do you want right hand or left hand? Dave. Right. Right, nothing in my right hand. So, Rich, you can go first. I'll, I'll kick off. You can kick off on the easy question. So, your three questions begin. 
Richard, what was Jamie Reed's shirt number last season? That would be 19. Correct. Okay, Richard, your next question. In December 2004, who became Torquay's record signing when he was snapped up for £75,000 from Peterborough? That would be Leon Constantine. It would be Leon Constantine. Going well. And your final question to open the scoring, Rich. From which team in Barbados did Torquay United sign Gregory Goodrich? Oh. Um. Oh, it's, it's on the edge of my tongue. Um. If it's any consolation, I got this one wrong in a uh, Torbay Quiz League match once, and I never lived it down. Do you know what? I've got I've got a song in my head. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so you should. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Just name that song, Richard. Name the song, and you'll be there. Uh, it, can't, it can't be. It can't be La Bamba. Oh, that's so close. You've done a Kyle Cameron. You've hit the post with that one. It's Lambada. Oh. Yeah, you could see my thinking, one. couldn't you? We'll go to VAR um, on that one. It's, uh, I, I, I was the kid at the back of the class with the hand up then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to give that as a, a, a failure. Oh, to I've score. hit the post. Right, Dave, your three-question chance. First question, who supplied the cross for Tim Sills to head the second goal in the playoff final against Cambridge at Wembley. I think we'll all go to our graves knowing the answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> Wayne Carlisle. Correct. Uh, it, at the Sherpa Van Trophy final in 1988, who was the VIP guest who met the teams and presented the trophy? It was 89, Guy. 89, sorry. Yeah, never mind. El Elton, Elton John. It was Elton John. There you go. My questions are falling apart already. OK, and your final question to take the lead here, Dave. Who scored Torquay's fifth and winning penalty, as it turned out, in the 1991 playoff final against Blackpool? It was the goalkeeper, Gareth Howells. It was the goalkeeper, Gareth Howells. So... After the first round of quiz ball, Dave has a 1-0 lead. But it's early days yet, Rich. I, I, might have, I might have failed on Elton John there. I couldn't remember that. And I would have got the other two. You're, or you'll be dancing the Lombarda. Yeah, or the... Or the, or the, the, the yeah, whatever okay. I said. We'll come back in for the mediums in a moment. But first of all, let's look ahead to Boxing Day. Big game, Boxing Day. Don't want to remember last Boxing Day. A miserable outing in the pouring rain and the freezing cold and losing, uh, well, letting in six goals up at uh, Yeovil. What do we think the game has in store on Boxing Day? Uh, Dave, you looking forward to this one? You're telling me. Uh, and I think everybody, every other United fan and quite a lot of people in the playing more inside the playing more camp are as well. There's plenty of players who were on the end of that last year who, who, who want to put it right. Uh, I know, of course, Yeovil came to playing more on, on, uh, on New Year's Day um, and won again 2-0. So, um, uh, but how things change in less than a year, don't they? Um, Yeovil, who you, know, you would think would be set up for another good season, have struggled big time. Uh, but there are signs that things are, are picking up a little bit there. They've still got some seriously useful players and why they haven't clicked this season, 
um, only people up there will know. Um, I do think, by the way, that Saturday's game against Chesham is quite important in all of this um, because it gives Johnson, Gary Johnson, a, a chance to sort of rest and stroke freshen up a few with Boxing Day in mind. I don't think there's, it, it, it does United any harm at all to have this game against Chesham this Saturday. Normally, uh, people who you know, know me quite well know that I, I, I can't stand the FA Trophy. I think it's a, it gets in the way and it's an encumbrance when you're trying to win promotion. But uh, I think it's come at a good time for United this match this Saturday and I'm very interested to see what sort of a team he puts out. Um, because it, 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 it points towards the Boxing Day game, doesn't it? It does. But then again, Dave, he hasn't got that many fit players to, to bring in. He hasn't got a load of uh, players to bring in, has he, that, that he can make all that many changes? Well, hold on a minute. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Josh Umara and Billy Waters don't start. Um, I would have thought Matt Buse will get another game, probably, you know, maybe back in his normal place in midfield. Gary Warren has, is back in the side and he's fit again, but he looks like he could do with another 90 minutes um, at the moment. Um, uh, I think there's a few people who... who Lucas Kovalan, I presume, is absolutely gagging for a game. Um, you know, if I, I don't suppose he's enjoying being on the subs bench very much. I know that's not a whole team's worth, but it's a few. Mm. Yeah, it is. That's true. I mean, we go back a long way with the Oval, don't we? Thanks to Julian, who's been digging out the, um, the they played for both. It's probably the longest list we're going to get apart from Exeter and Plymouth. Players like Kiefer Moore, Liam Davis, Ryan Dixon, Reese Murphy, Joe Quigley, Alex Fisher, then going back to Derek Dawkins, Steve Morrell, Cliff Myers, Wayne Dobbins, loads and loads of them. I could go on. There's, there's a long list. And it's strange to be playing a team where there's still... Um, a painting of Gary Johnson on the outside of the stand that's 30 foot tall as well, isn't it? It's, I mean, they, they are proper local rivals, aren't they, Oval? It's good to be in the same division as them, and we do kind of owe them one after last Christmas. Uh, I remember the I first... I keep saying that. Oh, the, the first time I really, sort of, uh, most of us, I suppose, really came across Gary Johnson was when he was successful with Yeovil, um, when they, they won promotion from the, the, the old conference Um and, uh, you know, he went on to, to manage Bristol City after that and, and did very well there and then went back to Yeovil and did very well again at Yeovil. And, uh, you know, Yeovil, Yeovil will be a bit... And obviously his son's been involved with Yeovil. So Yeovil have been a big part of Gary Johnson's life. So for him as well, it's probably, you know, one of the biggest games of the season emotionally rather than necessarily as a part of the, the whole season for, for the club. And, um, yeah, I wonder if that... Affect, what, do, you, do you think that would affect him at all, Dave, or is he just too professional for that? Uh, absolutely not. I think in his own mind, Gary moved on from Yeovil quite a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sure he, he obviously still has uh, uh, plenty of affection for the club. Uh, but believe you me, on December the 26th, nobody will be wanting to beat Yeovil more than Gary, Gary Johnson. Um, uh, and he will, he will, he will be personally fired up nearly as much as his players for that for that game. Um, j just to cheer us all up, uh, Gary Johnson was the manager during um, the, one of the greatest seasons that uh, us three will ever remember under Leroy in 2003-4. Uh, and uh, I well remember an afternoon 
uh, at Hewish Park when United took Yeovil apart that afternoon. I think they won 2-0. Uh, it was the first game that Brian McGlinchey had come in at left-back. Uh, and it was like a golden vision of, uh, uh, you know, of, of how things ended up turning up that season. And uh, there was also a, there was a tremendous game at Playmore on, on, at Easter, the return match, when United were two down in that game and came back and drew, and drew two each. Playmore absolutely heaving that, that afternoon. Um, so um, let, let's hope that uh, events on Boxing Day go a little bit more like that than they did last season. So... Before we get ahead of ourselves, then let's have a little talk about the uh, the Chesham game on Saturday. As you say, we're no great fans of the FA Trophy, although it has given us a trip to Wembley and it did bring us FC United of Manchester, which was a memorable day at Playmore. Um, but, I mean, these, these are games that have just got to be, as you say, they've just got to be used to maybe shake up the squad, maybe keep people fresh and, and keep things ticking over ahead of the next league game, aren't they? And Chesham are beatable, aren't they? We ought to beat Chesham, shouldn't we? Give me a bit of hope here. Well, I, I, I remember Chesham from, from the days of watching St Neots in the Southern League when I was working in Cambridgeshire. So, um, to me, they're still that size of team. Obviously, they're, they're, they're um, you know, on a good day, Torquay United would beat them hands down. But, you know... The, the, these smaller clubs do raise their games sometimes, and they and they don't. They're not always full of of players that are just going to play at that level. Sometimes they have players that that are better than that level. So um, we shouldn't dismiss them, especially if uh, I wonder if you know, like David said, you know, Gary will use the game maybe to give some some time to players' legs um, to get to, to 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 try something out or whatever. Um, Gary wants to win every game, don't get me wrong, but will he be massively disappointed if we lose it? Yes, I think we will, uh, um, uh, because I think the FA Trophy at this stage of the season is a competition that's worth getting a couple of rounds, getting through a couple of rounds. Yeah. Whether you want to go on a long run in it, in an already congested season, yeah. um, where when every successive league match through January, February, March will, will get more and more important is another matter. Uh, we, we all think back to, to Paul Buckle's first season, 2007 and eight, when obviously we were uh, jousting with Aldershot for the conference championship, ended up losing that, uh, got involved in the run, the FA Trophy run to Wembley um, with two-legged semi-finals against York and all that kind of stuff, whilst we were trying for the biggest prize of all, which was promotion back to the Football League. And I don't think the trophy run, although, you know, Wembley is a wonderful thing for a club like Torquay to go to, I don't think it did United any favours that season, especially with the, the playoff semi-final against Exeter. The following year, um, United, who we all know now, did go on to win promotion through the playoff final, got knocked out 3-0 at Southport in, in about the first or second round that United played that season. Uh, and I can remember, I didn't go to that game, and I can remember hearing the result. And, and let's face it, we're all died in the World Gulls fans, and we hate to see Torquay lose any match. But um, I had my tea that night thinking that might not be the worst result this season. So what you're saying, Dave, basically is, is let's win this one and then get knocked out in a couple of rounds. Uh, I, I, that might not be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the strategy for the uh, the cup, right, chaps? I've given you um, given you a few minutes off there. Back to the quiz ball. So, this is your second chance to score a goal. 
These are, These are a bit tougher, Guy, is it? Well, I think so, but you see, you never know. When you're writing questions for other people, you sort of think um, they may be tough, they may not. I have changed my boots for a nice pink pair now. Have you? Yeah. Okay, well, you, you'd better score now then. <laughs> if anybody's Just like the Ariel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there'll be two questions each here. You need to get them both right to score. Uh, Dave can go first this time. Richard went first on the last ones. So, Dave, when Torquay United drew 2-2 with Crewe in the last game of the 1987 season, Paul Dobson scored the second goal, but who had scored the first for Torquay? Jim McNichol. Jim McNichol is correct. Thank goodness. <laughs> And your second question, Dave, which name is missing from this list of Torquay United managers who are in chronological order? The name missing. Morgan, Knowles, Blank, Impey, Saunders, Golach. So who's the blank in there? Morgan, Knowles, Blank, Impey, Saunders, Golach. Dave Smith. Dave Smith is the blank in there. So you've scored again, Dave. You're a goal machine. <laughs> Dave, I, haven't, I haven't got Mustafa Carriol boots on no. either. He's got, okay, he's got a 100% go. record, hasn't he? <laughs> right. Rich, your questions. The first goal of the season for Torquay United was a late winner to give us a 1-0 win over Stockport on October the 3rd. Who scored that injury time goal? Oh dear. I, th I think, although I'm not 100% sure, um, it was Lemonet Evans. It was Lemonet yeah. Evans, correct. Well done, memory. Well done, yeah. <laughs> so, which name is missing from this chronological list of Talk United managers? O'Riordan, May, Blank, Saunders again, Lee. McFarland. O'Riordan, May. Blank. Blank. Saunders. Lee McFarland. Oh, oh, it's Kevin Hodges. It is Kevin yeah. Hodges. Richard scores. So you've both Yay! scored So the score is Dave 2, Richard 1, heading into the final section, which we'll come to in a few moments. Let's do the X, Y, Z question, all these regular things on the podcast. Finishing off our alphabet, um, this is just a bit of a teaser for the people at home while we're in quizzing mode. The player with name beginning with X, Y or Z with the most appearances and the most goals. This isn't difficult. Guy. I was surprised, actually. Guy, did, you, did, you time this, did you time this whole alphabet thing to finish on the last one of the year? No, I didn't. It's a pure <laughs> fluke. An absolute pure fluke. But we'll get straight to it. The most appearances for a player with that name is, of course, Luke Young, with 142 appearances. Chris Zabrowski mm. played 141 games. I hadn't, wow. wouldn't have thought that Chris Zabrowski played almost exactly the same number of games for Torquay as Luke Young, but I suppose Luke was injured for quite a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was yes, he was. was. Sorry, Dave, you go on. No, yes, he was, but I'm as surprised as you, Guy, that Zeb's played that many matches. Mm. I, I, I would have put him 20-odd games less than that, probably. Played a lot of games for us. And the third one in that list, of course, is Alan Young, who played 66 games. He was a long way behind there. 
In terms of goals, Zabrowski got 40, Young got 18, and in third place is a favourite of ours, eight goals for Ashley Yeoman. So yes. always, always good to be able to give Ashley Yeoman a mention on the podcast. And still playing. Turning out for Solcombe Town. Is it Solcombe Town, Rich? It is Solcombe Town. And every, every week when um, Neil Hawkins sends in his review of the, uh, the South Devon League, um, he seems to have scored another one or two goals. Um, good on him playing for he's his local club. I mean, when, 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 when Torquay released him, I know for a fact that Buckland were desperate to sign him and other teams at a higher level were desperate to sign him. But he wasn't interested. He just wanted to go and play for, for, for Solcombe. He, he's, he was, he's, he's almost like the greatest goal scorer you never saw, isn't he? I, I mean, if, if Ashley was on the pitch <laughs> and Torquay scored, he, he was almost guaranteed to be him, wasn't it? He was. Uh, one, a, a tremendous finisher. He, he's absolutely, I think he's put a few pounds on now, Rich, by the sound of it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, um, he, he's a serious finisher. Okay, let's let's quickly run through what the ex goals have been up to uh, this week. Uh, kudos, of course, to TalkyFanStats.com for the information on the XYZ and X goals on Twitter, which is a brilliant feed and gives us loads of information all week. Did you know Paul McCallum had scored this week? By the way, funny <laughs> that the fox in the box who got the goal for Dagenham Redbridge on Tuesday night, of course, is an X goal. Uh, he played well, I thought, until he got injured. Um, but he was operating pretty much on his own up front for them, wasn't he? For quite uh, quite long periods. Danny yeah. Mills. Dan Whenever players like come, players like like him come back, you always kind of like, oh, oh no, <laughs> not him again. Yeah. Uh, Danny Mills got one for Dulwich Hamlet when they beat Chesant three-one uh, in the FA Trophy. Josh McCoyd got one as Weymouth actually went 2-0 up, didn't they, at home to Wrexham and lost that one 3-2 late on. Uh, Jack McCourt got one of Chesterfield's six against Barnet. Ryan Bowman got a hat-trick. Good signing, that guy. Yeah, I think so. Um, Ryan Bowman got a hat-trick for Exeter against Tranmere. He's beginning to get among the goals now. Second hat-trick in four games for him. Nine goals now in, in the season when uh, he was being heavily criticised by the Exeter City fans at the start of the season after having a decent season last, last year. But um, Matt Taylor stood up for him quite early on and uh, he's, he's, he's showing his worth now, I think. Yeah, decent player. We all liked Ryan, didn't we? We liked him as a player, um, wholehearted player, scorer of plenty of goals. Uh, and the one who seems to be living the life of Riley here, of course, is Reese Healy who got, uh, got another game. He scored four games in a row for Toulouse, and he got one in a 3-0 win over a team called La Berrichon the other day. I can only imagine that's a French Cup game, because I don't remember ever seeing the name of La Berrichon anywhere else, but uh, I don't think they're in League One or Ligue 1. I'm, I'm still convinced, by the way, lads, that if Rhys Healy and Elliot Romain had got together even two or three weeks sooner than they actually did... We would have stayed up that year. Uh, um, he, he's a he's a seriously good player, Reece Healy, isn't he? He's a proper player. Uh, uh, before Remain as well. I mean, you're right about Remain. I used to enjoy watching Remain play. He'd put his, he'd put his body in there, wouldn't he? You're telling you're telling me. Yeah, abs absolutely. Good player. So before we do the uh, the, the 
thrilling finale of the quiz ball. Uh, a couple of <laughs> other things that I scribbled down. I scribbled thermos flasks down. I think Talk United have relaxed the ban on thermos flasks, so we can actually get a warm drink uh, on these games. Can I can I just say that it's it is a measure of our times that we're living in where. where um, there is a ban on thermos flasks at a football game. It's kind of kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? You never know what somebody might use a thermos for inside <laughs> a football ground, Richard. You know, it could be uh, could be used for all kinds of things. Uh, and I also wrote down run-out music. We asked the question a couple of weeks ago because one of our listeners asked us if different managers had had different run-out music. And we had an email from Andrew Collier, who's one of our regular listeners, who remembers... Uh, a song called Free by Ultra Nate being played as run out music at some time back about 20 years ago ish. I played it up, I pulled it up on one of the uh, streaming digital services the other day and I do recognise it. So yeah, it must have been played at some point. I don't recognise uh, the name, but, um, but I'm, I'm, yeah. There's, there's, um, there's a, a, a streaming digital service playlist to be put together here with run out music for Talkie United. Somebody will do it. I might just do it myself. That, that, that's your Christmas Day job, Guy. It is. Right, boys, are you ready for the um, ready for the finale? Come on, then. I've got a goal to catch up with. I can only so, draw now, can't I? Uh, you can. In which case, we'll go to the penalty shootout. Don't worry, I've got all the bases covered. <laughs> so, Richard, you're going to go first on this Route 1 question. Okay. And your question is, for which country... Was Samir Nabi capped after leaving Torquay United in 2019? Oh, Which my word. Was Samir Nabi capped? I'm afraid I am clueless. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to I'm not going to give you an answer to that because I, I really don't know his heritage either. So. Um, OK. I'm right, hoping Dave okay. gets his question wrong. Can I get a bonus here or not? No, don't worry. You can go and have have a go. You can't score with it, but uh, what do you reckon? I think it would be Pakistan. Oh. It is Pakistan. Yeah. Yeah. It is Pakistan. Very good. So, Dave, to make it three-one, your question. Before Danny Wright did it at Hartlepool on Halloween, who was the last Torquay United player to score a hat trick? Oh no! 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 Well, hang on. Can I think aloud a second here? Uh, the obvious answer is... But was he the last one? I'm going to go Jake Andrews. You're absolutely right. It was Jake Andrews. Against, against Oxford City on the 26th of January 2019. The obvious answer would have been Jamie Reid, and I was, I was you know, tempted and tempted, and then I thought, no, 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 no. Uh, wow, what a relief. Well so done, David. That's a 3-1 th win. A 3-1 win, yeah. I think it went the way I thought it might. 3-1 to the young boys of Liverton <laughs> against, the, uh, against Plucky Babacan. So, thank Dave, thanks for joining us. It's been quite like old times getting the band back together again. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Perhaps we'll do it again sometime. Uh, looking forward to Christmas, guys. We won't podcast next week because we're not quite sure what hours we're going to be working or what we're going to be doing, but we will squeeze another podcast in sometime between Christmas and New Year because there's bound to be a lot to talk about. So keep an eye on your social media feeds. Keep an eye on Devon Live. 
um, for when and where you can find the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Is there a, is there a foot of snow out on Dartmoor already? No, the uh, whatever palm trees we've got out here are still waving in the breeze. Don't worry. Um, I, you know, look, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and great to see that you, you the two of you again. Um, uh, uh, these are great times for Torquay, aren't they? You know, if you factor in their goal difference, they're still seven points clear at the top of the National League. Uh, and if they could have added another three to that on Tuesday night, the rest of the division might as well have packed up and gone home for the for, for the winter. But uh, uh, this is football. This is why we love it. We don't know what's going to happen before we turn up. And uh, I, I, I think the reception that the team got at the end of the match on Tuesday um, spoke for the vast majority of United fans um, who are, you know, up for this. Um, we're all of us covering and supporting a club that's absolutely desperate to get out of this division and will do all on its power to, to, to do that. And uh, the only shame, of course, in all of this is that Playmore can't be quite as full as it otherwise would be. But um, huge, huge Christmas coming up. Absolutely. And of course, there's only one way to finish the podcast. And if the technology will allow us to do it all in unison. Come, come on, on, you yellows. yellows. <laughs> I think that worked. <laughs>